0: So doctor, Mm -hmm. I have something that I have been meaning to ask you. I'm extremely worried about my child if he has a bizarre OCD. And I'm not going to ask you now. I'm going to
1: save it for the interview. All right.
0: Mama. Welcome parents to Raising Amazing. Amazing.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator Warsh, board-certified pediatrician, specializing in integrative medicine.
0: And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother.
1: Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood.
0: And together, let's begin raising amazing. amazing. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> da
1: So what's your question?
0: I'm going to save it for the interview because today, we're going to talk about OCD.
1: Yeah, we have an amazing guest who knows all about it. So probably better to ask her than me.
0: Yes, except that you you are the best uh, pediatrician here in Los Angeles.
1: But I'm not an OCD Um, specialist. No,
0: you're not. No, but um, but I do know, you know, many adults with OCD, Mm -hmm. and I am curious if um, to know more about it and if that is what's going on in my home with
1: my kid. I think it's a very interesting topic, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted or we wanted to talk about it um, today because I think a lot of people think they have OCD when they really don't. They might have. Uh, Some behaviors that they need to do or want to do more frequently that helps them to feel better But it doesn't necessarily mean they have OCD by the definition. I think it's kind of like a cutesy phrase that people use nowadays Sometimes you know overuse it of like oh, I'm OCD. I have to do this before I go But it not necessarily what the real diagnosis means and the real diagnosis is quite different actually And so I think it's really important for parents to really understand where that line is between Uh, you just like to do something often versus this is pathologic and and causing harm you know to you or or in your lifestyle and so that's where I think talking to a specialist about where is that line um... because you know a lot of kids do repeat things over and over and over again Eli loves to go up and down stairs all the time you know we can be in uh, the aquarium and he's very happy just going up and down the stairs instead of looking at the fish still so we can just Instead of paying, you know, fifty bucks to go somewhere, we could just just take them to some stairs, so <laughs> you have just as much fun. Right. You
0: don't even need to go into the aquarium; just go, just go to the location, go up and down the stairs. Right, that's really funny. Um, yeah, well, I always have. I have things that I think like, oh, is this OCD when I'm laying in bed and I have to get up to check. You know, mm-hmm. the stove or whatever. But that doesn't happen every night. But no, that's not OCD. Mm-mm. That's like, what if the stove was on? Because sometimes I do leave it on. Right,
1: exactly. So it's... If it's I make
0: tea and, you know, move on to something
1: else. Everything's a spectrum, right? And yeah. safety is not necessarily OCD like if you're checking to make sure that you didn't leave a gate open so that your dogs will get out or something like right that. that's not OCD I mean if you're if you have to check it 20 times and you can't go on with your day until you check it 20 times every single night that might be OCD but if you just were like did I turn off the stove well probably a good idea to check to make sure there isn't a fire but if you need to check it 25 times every single day because you're super worried about it, even though you didn't even use the stove today. Then we that's have a problem where, That's where you would want Maybe. to get checked out. Maybe. Talk to your doctor, another <laughs> 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 doctor. Exactly, but that's where the line is. But just because you check it, I think we, we way overuse the term um, because I don't think people use it you know, really for what the pathology is. It's more for like, a, oh, I checked this over and yeah. over again.
0: Yeah. Today, we have a specialist, and we're going to get into everything about OCD. We have Dr. Roseanne Kapana hodge She's a mental health trailblazer, media personality, and founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. She is known for teaching how to calm the brain in order to have a happy family, and her brain behavior reset method. Welcome, Roseanne.
2: I'm so excited for this conversation. You know, we're going to be talking about OCD and it's just not understood or talked about enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's not something that we've talked about on the show yet. And and for anyone who doesn't know what OCD stands for, obsessive compulsive disorder, and I think that it's such an important topic because every child loves to do things over and over again. And and definitely in the office I get a lot of questions about it especially when it comes to, you know, is this normal? And where is the line between OCD versus just normal child behavior? So maybe we could start there um, and you could tell us a little bit about what actually OCD is and where is that line where people should start to get worried?
2: Yeah, you know, when we talk about, I love talking about what's normal behavior and what's, when should we be worried and when should we get help? And when it comes to OCD, there's so many, mis- you know, misbeliefs you know myths around it and people often you know throw it around like hey i've got ocd (laughs) like it's a positive thing right and you know you're organized you have ocd let me tell you son you have ocd you're not happy about it it's it's tough Mm -hmm. so what is ocd so it is you know we think about it as compulsive behaviors and it can be that but it often starts with intrusive thoughts right it starts with a worry for a kid that doesn't have to be rational. I think that's important for parents to understand is that worries don't have to make any sense. And they sort of ignite into these, you know, obsessive thoughts, compulsive behaviors um, for kids. And official obsessive compulsive disorder is that you're spending an hour or more a day doing performing rituals having compulsive thoughts or intrusive obsessive thoughts so an hour or more a day is when it becomes something that isn't normal and needs support
0: oh wow that makes me feel better it makes me realize that i have had that definition wrong my entire life because <laughs> i think you're right people do throw the word around like
2: oh i i'm ocd i have to like do this a couple times a day. Yeah, I have to have my my bedroom be, more, you know, orderly, right? You know, that's and and you know, with OCD, like worry, you know, often sometimes can have anxiety can have a base of reality. You know, OCD really doesn't have to have any base of reality. And you know, mm-hmm. common things are you know, checking and intrusive thoughts about you know, demons and sexuality and dark things. And these are kids or adults who that isn't even the issue. And all of a sudden something ignites in their brain and the way the brain works is it just keeps getting stuck in a repetitive loop. Um, And it's very difficult for somebody with OCD to get out of that loop because they get stuck in it because there is technically a bit of relief if they perform a mental or a physical ritual. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So like an example would be just to make sense out of that, like your kid has to line up because this is one of the biggest ones. They have to line up their toys. They're spending hours lining up their toys. And if you try to change the toys for them, they absolutely have a lot of behavioral dist- distress. But internally, they believe something bad will happen if they don't line up their toys right where Mm -hmm. let's say a child who maybe has uh ritualistic behaviors due to autism they're still going to get distressed but they don't believe anything bad is going to happen it's that need to do it right that is different in obsessive compulsive and it and it can appear in very young children too
1: yeah i think that's really useful to to differentiate there because again going back to you know the original discussion where most parents think that if their kid is Putting their toys in a row every day, then that could be something that's concerning. Or every day, if they, you know, for for Eli, for my son, he has to like go up and downstairs all the time. He loves doing that, or you know, those kind of things. But that that isn't necessarily pathologic. A lot of that is normal kid behavior, and it's important to remember that our kids definitely like to do the same thing over and over again. Especially if they've mastered a skill, you know, it's not surprising if they do the first part of the alphabet every time because they know A B C D, but they don't know the other stuff, so they don't want to do it. Right? That's. (laughs) common <laughs> right
0: right also this is interesting because re- just recently i realized that um, we have we have this staircase in our house that's mm-hmm. like just very dangerous it's like stone steps so there's a gate at the top of it and i'm always checking it just to make sure it's locked because if it's not like we're gonna have a problem i have a two-year-old so um <laughs> i realized uh that nico now every time we go up and down the stairs he he makes sure it's locked and then he goes back and he makes sure it's locked And then he goes back and he makes sure it's locked. And I was like, oh, my God, this is an OCD thing. But then Mike was like, no, we check to make sure that thing is locked all the time. So maybe that's not an OCD thing. Maybe he's just learning that from us.
1: Maybe it's just good parenting on your end, too. Thank you. you. Copying
0: (laughs)
2: you. You know what I mean? Like... You know, and that's what it is and that's such a great point. Like our kids love to perform the same things over and over. Part of it that psychological mastery of something and a lot of times we give our kids positive attention when they do things over and over. I like I always think my boys when they were little loved to sit in the drawers with pots and pans. pans mm-hmm. and they would just play in there for hours. <laughs> and, and you know why? Because I, I love to cook, that's my happy place. And so, you know, they would sit in there and it would interact with them and there was so much positiveness in there, right? But then they also, you know, like to put the tops on things and sit in different things and oh, maybe they could have that. So there was a lot of positive things. The difference is, you know, when you have to be concerned, is your co- child showing distress? Right when right. you try to switch out of it. So, you know, in your case of the, the gate, right? If he kept going back to it over and over and you were like, okay, that's enough. And then we have a meltdown, right? Uh, what is that okay. about, right? Does that instantly mean he has OCD? No, but there definitely is a rigidity in how he processes and we want him to be more flexible anyway. So we would do some support around that, right? Like, oh, you only checked it one time? Great, let's go downstairs. Mm, you know, and try to get them to switch gears with positive language.
1: Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And and when you talk about, let's say, a little bit older child who might have uh, issues with stress or anxiety, how do you differentiate that as a parent um, from OCD? Because there are certainly kids, you know, with everything going on, say, with the pandemic, people are washing their hands a little bit more. um, And so that can be very normal, but it also could cross over into a problem. So where, where do you, you know, draw the line there and how do you differentiate? You know,
2: as a practitioner that, you know, works with people with OCD across the lifespan, including young adults um, who often fail to launch because of their OCD or autism or other conditions, um, I, I can say that, you know, Steve Jobs talks about, we only connect the dots looking backwards, right? And and that often is the case with my families that I work with with mental health is all of a sudden they get clarity when, when they come to me because there's a crisis and the we look back and Mm -hmm. often OCD starts with worry, starts with anxiety. So we have we have a worry and that worry gets really big and we again are it's occupying our time, it's interfering with some level of our functioning, whether it's performance at school or getting along with siblings or adults, you know, in their work relationships. So that's what clinical anxiety looks like, right? It's gotta be mm-hmm. interfering. It's gotta be significant. And um, the worries don't have to be real, but a lot of times they're rooted in something like, and, and I'll give you an example of a kid who switched from anxiety to OCD just to get this. So um, I had a kid that had a horrible splinter and really big one. And he then started with some worry about getting splinters and his parents kind of managed it and he was okay for a bit. And then the worry started to get where his thoughts switched to intrusive thoughts. And instead of like just when he was going to a park where there was a wooden play center, he would worry about getting a splinter. He started worrying getting splinters everywhere there wasn't any wood around and he was like, am I getting a splinter today? Right? So we started with a high need for reassuring questions. And you know, when we have stress, we have healthy ways and we have unhealthy ways and kids and adults are the same, right? It's just adults, a lot of their unhealthy ways are a lot bigger, but um, kids might show breakdowns of behaviors and belly aches and sleep problems and all that and adults too, Um, but they tend to be very Behavioral or psycho or somatic in some way, and so for this little boy, all of a sudden he couldn't he couldn't even he was paralyzed. Going out became such a big thing for him because he thought he was getting a splinter, and it morphed into this OCD. There was no rational component of it, um, and his parents, being as sweet as they are, they did the thing you shouldn't do, which was answer every question. It's called accommodate it, and they try to make him feel better and reassure him, and instead it actually fed the dog is what we call it in OCD mm-hmm. oh, that's It made his interesting. OCD grow worse. So the difference between anxiety is it's a worry, it's significant, but in terms of OCD, it's irrational thoughts, it's intrusive thoughts, and it's, it's uh, consuming a lot of your thinking. Um, and it, it can be in one or more areas, but, but and it often can switch as well
1: and you mentioned Uh, i wanted to go on to talk about what parents should do but before we can get there can we go back over intrusive thoughts because you mentioned that several times and i think that not necessarily everybody would um know exactly what that means but i think it's a super you know we've all
2: had a thought that we couldn't get rid of right i always Mm -hmm. like to think of you know you're an adult and you're driving you almost get hit by another car and in the next 10 minutes you're like holy moly I almost got hit by that car. And it's sort of hard to be present, right? Who hasn't experienced something like that? But yeah. for a kid or even an adult with OCD, what happens is this, the boy with a splinter is like, he literally is having a thought that's like, I'm getting a splinter. I'm going to be getting this splinter. I'm putting away this laundry. I'm getting a splinter. And since it's such an internal mechanism, we often don't see it until they develop an external ritual Right? So that's where like hand washing comes in, right? So the hand washing or checking or counting, tapping, these are observable ways, but then, you know, some of them are internal. Checking can be mental checking. Internal counting can be internal counting, um, and it could, it could be you're saying a song. I have pe- lots of people have scrupulosity, which is religious obsessions. I mean, there's lots, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's actually a clinical part for some people with OCD, where Wait, what is they go from healthy religious to unhealthy. So, does oh. that does that make sense of what mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts? Yeah. It's a thought that is a runaway thought that you cannot put the brakes on. It's often not. At all realistic, and it's really, really challenging to pull back for kids or adults that are experiencing it.
1: Okay, that, that's really helpful. And and if you if you feel like your child. Does have this? Then what would be some of the next steps for for parents? I assume you know going to get an evaluation. That you know you're going to see your doctor, and we would send them over to therapy. therapist. I mean, you want
2: to find a professional that specializes in OCD. One of the biggest problems that people experience is that unless you're a therapist who's trained at OCD, you very likely will see it as anxiety because it requires that assessment that teases out some of those things. And I can tell you that most people who, who get to a provider like me who specializes in OCD typically seeing, are seeing five or more therapists before they get to me. Um, and we're talking kids that are young, even like 10 or 11-year-olds could have seen that many people. So, so finding somebody on IOCDF or Anxiety and Depression Association America where you can click off a box and look at um, OCD and that and it's really important so that one they know what questions to ask, but two, they get to teach you as a parent because so much of the work is supporting the parents and tweaking their language, right? So, you know, we're all doing the best we can to love up our kids when they're struggling. I mean, in every game, whether they're just getting through a regular day and they're just typical kids, or you have a kid who has an issue, right? And I say that as a mom, a special needs mom. Um, and what a specialist does with OCD is it really helps you to stop spinning your wheels and give you those exact techniques and tools that help to shift and get your kid to learn how to talk back to their OCD.
1: Yeah, definitely. And just echoing again, what you said about the right specialist makes such a big difference. Even as a pediatrician, I had no idea five, 10 years ago, how different therapists can be in terms of their training and their knowledge and and there's just so many kinds of therapists and so many different training philosophies that they can go through and some people are specialists in OCD so you want to find somebody that really knows what they're looking for if this is what you're worried about because just any general therapist while they might be able to do some generalized testing is definitely not going to be the same as somebody who works with it every single day.
2: Yeah, and and you know, and parents might not be able to identify this, and they may not know if their kid has OCD. And you can, you know, having a good, um, you know, pediatrician as a base to say, like, could it be? You know, you certainly can look up signs and symptoms, but parents need to look for things like number one absolutely need for reassuring questions um demanding parents perform certain rituals particularly around bedtime i'm sure you hear this where Mm -hmm. kids insist that parents stay in the room or do this. It doesn't mean they have OCD, but rituals can develop around there. It's a very vulnerable time um, for kids. It's that bedtime when a lot of worries hit them. Um, And then if you see observable signs that they're having to put things in order, or they're checking, or they're tapping, or they're counting, or they're repeating certain, certain phrases over and over again, or they have concerns about contamination, which again, could be normal during the pandemic. But if it really gets in the way of their daily life or causes a lot of distress for them, then there's a problem.
0: I have a question for you. I'm just gonna use you right now because you're here. (laughs) And this is such a weird, this is such a weird thing and I can't figure it out. And it does cause distress for my son. So he, he does not like it when I have my hair down. Can you see my hair, everybody? It's down today
1: because I'm not home. <laughs> not on the podcast. He but you can't hates see it.
0: it when my hair is down. Now, before he could even talk, and I would come in, like it, you know, in the middle of the night to get him if he cried and woke up, he'd look at me and shake his head and go like this, you know, all done, all done. Then he could talk, all done, all done. And I was like, what is he all done with? And he would, and I realized over time because I speak his language my son that he wants my hair up and so I'd put my hair up and he would be fine and now that he can talk if I come into the room and my hair is down no mama no mama hair up hair up put your hair up mama he gets really upset if my hair is down and then um, I'm like, Nico, I'm allowed to wear my hair however I want. Every woman is allowed <laughs> to wear their hair however they want. Every man, it doesn't matter. I love your hair when it's down. I love your hair when it's up. And like do all of these things. But he's not happy until I put it up. And so I just put it up on top of my head. And then <sighs> he literally smiles, takes a deep breath, and says, oh, Thank you, Nico happy now.
2: What is so, it? So fascinating because this is happening really before language, before, yes. you know, he's pre-verbal. And so part of me, my initial instinct is both like a, sen- as a sensory component, that there's a visual overwhelm to your hair. Be- you have very long hair for <laughs> people that are listening. Very <laughs> long a lot hair. Of hair. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of hair. And maybe there's an overwhelm for him. And he can't. He needs it to. I don't. Essentially, he did recognize you, but but it may be a visual. Does he seem to get stimulated visually in other areas, or is this the only the only area?
1: What about also in touch, like from hugging? And does he get really yeah. sensitive when you're touching? So maybe like the hair tickled him, and then it got him.
0: That's what I always wondered. Or like you know,
1: <laughs> or like well,
0: you know, if I'm nursing, like I always think like when he was first born, right? And I'm nursing him and my hair was on top of my head. Like every single photo for the first three months of his life, my hair was on top of his head. And so Mm -hmm. like that's, and I'm looking down, like that's how he knows my face. And if I don't, do I not look like his mom,
2: you know? I think that what Joel is trying to say is that it probably is is a sensory component of your hair, whether it's visual or the touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that but now see how he's got anxiety around it, and he's developed yeah. a ritual. Like he's making you perform it. So what I would how actually do, I do? do is I would get out a hairbrush and I would say, I need you to help me brush my hair. <gasps> And, and start to flip the dialogue into something positive, right? And if he can't do that, because this is an exposure, right? Maybe what we start with is him brushing the hair of a doll first, oh, wow. right? This is what you do. So brush the hair of a doll, get him desensitized. Oh, isn't her hair so pretty, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love getting my hair brushed and start with that do that a few times or whatever get him desensitized to it and and then switch to your hair and then um and then anytime you're going to put your hair you know like you don't want to develop another ritual but then just start getting him acclimated right you know we have to be careful because we all fall in the trap when our kids get like an irrational worried like i remember my kid would get really angry if i he, he everything had to be blue right Mm. Like, blue paper, and he wasn't going to get it, oh, it's going to be a meltdown, right? <laughs> so and was I would participate in that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, I was like, teacher, I need the blue paper. Give me one right now. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we try to avoid that discomfort. But instead, I fed the dog, and it made it where I, that went on for years. You know That's what totally I mean? His brother that. came I'm around. Kidding. I was like, you don't care if it's blue? This is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <That's- know? laughs>
0: Um, No, I'm totally doing that. I'm totally feeding the dog. I I just put my hair up before I walk into the room because I know it's gonna be a thing if I don't.
2: Yeah, but I think it's sensory in nature. He's not showing it in other areas. And then, you know, we all crave control you know, and yeah. that's something that gives him some comfort, you know, and you're just inadvertently participating in it. So you have to desensitize it. That's right. so that's what we do in, in OCD, there's a type of therapy called exposure and response prevention. So it's about, it's a lot of psychoeducation, but it's teaching parents how to do the exposures in a way that gets them to unlearn these responses that okay. cause the stress. I
1: love it. You got a, you, you got a pro tip to finish up yes! today. Yes, pro tip. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Roseanne. I will, yeah. I will, I will.
0: I'll tag you in all of this. I'll, I'll update you on everything. No, 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 no,
1: you're gonna have to send a photo to her to get <laughs> posted of like, um, you know, you with your hair down just hanging out in the room being like, this was you, yeah. you did this. <laughs> I, I actually
0: have been wanting Mike to secretly like video one of these like hair up meltdowns. You, you
1: should get a video of a hair up meltdown yeah. and then juxtapose it like two weeks later when everything is Fine. And magical yes. and then you can be like <laughs> okay
0: okay all right that's my homework that's um we'll make it real
1: yeah for our social a... media <laughs> awesome well, well thank you so much for being with us and can you tell people where to find you if they want to learn more information
2: sure so i'm dr roseanne everywhere and that's dot ncom instagram tiktok youtube you name it it's dr roseanne
0: Awesome. Dr. Roseanne, we are uh, uh, following you right now, and we are so grateful uh, for um, you coming on Raising Amazing. Thank you for yeah. this conversation.
2: It's really an important one, and a lot of people are affected by it. And I always want people to be know that you know it's going to be okay because there are solutions, right? And this awareness is the first part of knowing that you can do something better for your kid.
1: That was great, and got we got really good advice. You know, got
2: uh, really good advice. This is something that I've been
0: meaning to ask you, actually. Mike's been like, you have to ask a doctor about this. This is so crazy, right? And and
1: that's why it's so important to talk about this because you know, even for you yep. sitting here today talking about this topic, you have uh, a concern about an OCD type thing, and and most people don't ask because they're afraid
0: well right and and because like life right life is busy life is Mm -hmm. crazy and I mean I guess our kids health needs to be the most important but this is something that I've been literally we fight about it every single day Mm but when I was leaving here my hair was down I was like peace I'm leaving my hair is down Mm -hmm. and um but I just you know haven't brought it up because of whatever so yeah it it is something that I think people I I I know adults that Mm -hmm. suffer
1: O C D. definitely but the the reality of it is that most kid behaviors are not OCD they're just kid behaviors and they're you know either just doing the same thing over and over again because it's fun or because they've mastered it or the behavior started for one reason and then it moves on for another reason and, and most likely in your scenario it started for one reason and then it becomes just a behavior and then you just get used to it and you get older and it's like that's just a thing that you you do not because it's it's OCD and it's pathologic but you know you're just Used to see mom with her hair up, and when it's down, then you have a reaction. Yeah. So an that's not angry necessarily action. Yeah, but then <laughs> those are the kind of things where usually if you just shift what you're doing, just like she said, just like she said, then you can probably break the habit in a couple of days. I'm gonna try it. You know, if you want to, and it doesn't mean that there's a problem, anyways, with it. But you know, if it's something that's continuous over and over again, and you want to break a habit, then you usually got to do something different.
0: Yeah. No, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try the hair brushing thing and uh, dolls. He's been wanting a doll anyway. Like.
1: So. Well, we'll see. We you, let, you let everybody know. Santa will bring him one. <laughs> okay. yes. Santa will bring you your hair down or
0: something. Yes. <laughs> um, this was awesome, you guys. And a reminder to all of you parents out there to email us if you have any questions for the doctor or for me. Um, but we are a community trying to raise the bar on ourselves so we can raise amazing children. Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing Podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to Raising Amazing Podcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on raising amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.